even a lot about God, that doesn't make you a Christian. Having a lot of understanding of deep things, theological things, practical things, that doesn't make you a Christian. It's possible to hear a lot of sermons and not be changed by them. Oh, maybe that's not true. Because I think we're all changed by the truth. We're either changed into Christ-likeness, we're changed into being more like Him, or we're hardened and inoculated to the truth. So it's really important that when we have an opportunity to hear the truth, the Word of God, when we have an opportunity to be exposed to the truth, it's really important that we listen intently. That we internalize what we're hearing. That we pay close attention to it. Not because the one that's preaching is so fantastic, um, but unless you mean the ultimate one who speaks, who's God. He's fantastic. He deserves to be heard. He's worthy of being heard. But none of us who preach here uh, in and of ourselves deserve to be heard any more than anyone else. But Christ deserves to be heard. His truth deserves to be heard. And how we hear it, how we respond to it, it will change us. Either to being like Him, or it will harden us away from Him. I believe that's essentially what Jesus' message here is in Luke. Now, where do you get all that? Well, I'm going to explain, hopefully, God willing, we're going to explain where we get that. That's essentially the message here. That just hearing passively the truth doesn't mean we've internalized the truth. Doesn't mean we've used the truth. Doesn't mean we're being changed by the truth. At least not in a good way. So it's really important that we take care of how we hear and take heed to how we listen. It's really important that we pay attention to how we pay attention to the Scriptures and to the Word of God. Because that's the difference. That's a huge difference. And that's what Christ is talking about in this passage. Now you should know, I read the passage already, but no passage in the Bible should be treated like a, an isolated set of verses that just shows up by itself. That, that's a really bad way to read the Bible. And, and if you're a new Christian or you're just learning things about the Bible, maybe you're not a Christian yet, um, and you're trying to say, well, how do I understand the Bible? The Bible seems hard to understand. I would, I would offer that it gets much easier to understand when you start trying to read it in context. And instead of just pulling out a random verse here or there and saying, well, like, you know, this thing, and then, oh, well, what does that mean? You're going to understand it a lot better if you read whole chapters, even whole books. Start with a short one. You don't, you don't have to, like, climb the whole mountain overnight. But when you read the Bible that way, in context, things become a lot clearer. And I have to tell you, uh, when I was in Bible college, one of the great warnings that I got about preaching and understanding the Bible had to do with parables. And that's what we got here. We got something of a parable. And the reason that we got so many warnings when I was learning to study this stuff is because if you, if you read the history of interpretation of parables, people have used these things to mean all kinds of stuff. They've used parables to 
introduce all kinds of spiritual realities and things that, like, I don't know where they got that idea. But usually what parables are intended to do is they're intended to illustrate a truth and to drive it home. The kinds of parables that are stories, the kinds of parables that are illustrations, we could have a debate as to whether or not this is even a parable, the passage that we just read. Maybe we wouldn't call it a parable in the strictest sense, but it's part of an explanation of a parable. And the parable that the explanation that we're getting explained is this parable of the sower, or the parable of the soils, depending on how you want to name it. And I know we already had a sermon on this, and so you don't necessarily want to hear another one. But I think it's important that we understand the context of our passage if we're going to understand it correctly. And that context involves this story, of course, that Jesus told about a sower that went out to sow. And he, he had seeds, and he was throwing seeds as he went through the field. And some of the seeds fell on certain kinds of ground, and uh, maybe it grew, and other seeds fell on other kinds of ground. Maybe there was rocky ground, and there wasn't a place for it to take root. And other seeds were eaten by birds, and other seeds actually grew and bore fruit. All of those, you, 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 hopefully you remember that, it was just a week ago, those of you who weren't home or uh, gone because of snow. <clears throat> if you don't remember it, go back and listen to the sermon, it's online. But uh, this story is really a story not about a sower and seeds, it's really a story about how people respond to the Word of God. And how people respond to the truth. This, the seed that's being sown is the truth. And those soils that responded all of these different ways were responding to the, way, to the word of God. This is how we respond to it. And so some heard and they understood. Right? Some, some of the soils, some of the hearers of, of the gospel heard it and they understood it. Some of them were distracting. Some of them... <clears throat> heard temporarily and got really excited about it, but it didn't take root in their lives. Some people heard the truth and they were so, they were, they were, it was choked out, the scripture, I like that choked out imagery. It was choked out by the cares of the world. So and, and instead of letting the truth take root in them, the, the truth they, they, they were just thinking about how are they, what are they going to eat, what are they going to drink, what are they going to put on, money, sex, and power, all the things that the world cares about, right? <clears throat> and so the Word of God just went right past them. But then again, some of them heard and they held fast to the truth, and it bore fruit in their lives. That, that's what it means to be a Christian. A Christian is a person who hears the Word of God, who hears the truth, and they hold fast to it. And it bears fruit in their life. That, that's really the point of the story. But, but we could apply it, again, I don't want to trample over worn ground here, but I want to set the table for our passage. We can apply it by saying, what kind of hearers are we? Are we the kind of hearers that, oh, that's nice, okay, on to the worldly stuff. Okay, that's nice, I'm tired. Oh, what about my fantasy football? No fantasy football this week, so hallelujah, right? Instant sanctification for some of us. No, no fantasy football to worry about. <clears throat> but you get the point, right? So it's a dangerous thing to hear the truth if you don't respond to it by taking hold of it and bearing fruit from it. 
Jesus further applies this same truth by this little illustration that he gives us concerning lamps. Now, I think it's, I think it's interesting. The sower, that story is in all three of what we call the synoptic gospels. It's in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And some of the explanations are a little bit different, but the truth is basically the same. I actually like the Luke telling a lot. I think there are reasons for, for us getting those stories in the way that we did. But uh, only Mark and Luke have this story of the lamp attached to this parable. And uh, Mark's explanation even goes a little further than Luke's explanation here. But in this explanation, Jesus basically says, again, we're verse, 20, we're verse 16, I'm sorry. No one, after lighting a lamp, covers it with a jar and puts it under a bed, but puts it on a stand so that those who enter may see the light. Nothing is hidden that will not be made manifest, nor is anything secret that will not be known and come to light. Take care, then, how you hear, for to the one who has, more will be given, and from the one who has not, even what he thinks he has will be taken away. See, I don't think that makes a lot of sense if we don't read it in the context of what we already saw in the parable of the sower, the parable of the soils. And one of the things that the scripture tells us is uh, no one takes this lamp, no one takes a lamp and puts it where it can't be seen. And, and a lamp, if you think about lamps in, in the ancient world, um, you know, this wasn't like a, I think about the camping lanterns that we use, you know, or we think about lamps or light bulbs and all of that. In the first century, basically what you had is you had a lamp that was a bowl with a, with a small hole and then a little spout that would come up and they would light, they would light the oil in that lamp and it would burn out of that spout and then there would be this little hole in the rest of the bowl where you could add additional oil. And, uh, of course, you wouldn't light a lamp and then put it under something. You burn your house down that way. You wouldn't put it under a bed or whatever. But it's even more illogical when you think about why a person would light a lamp in the first place. You, you light a lamp so that you can enlighten everything in the room. So, like, why would you turn on the lights? You turn on the lights so that you can see and not stumble around in the darkness. So to use a lamp means to light it and put it on a lampstand so that it can enlighten everything. Now, the truth is, this lamp is a picture of God's truth. It's, it's a direct and easy picture. I'm just deriving that from the previous parable and how Jesus is going to apply it here. That's as far as it goes. We don't have to read like, oh, what does the oil mean? Like, that's what I mean. Sometimes these parables, people go nuts over. What's the spout mean? First century lamps, they look like this, and every piece has, no, it's a real simple thing, okay? Why do we turn on the lights? We turn on the lights so that we can see. Why do you light a lamp? You light a lamp so that you can see. It would be dumb to get a lamp, light it, and then cover it up and not use it, right? So it is with the truth. When God's truth comes into our life, and we're presented with the truth, the right way to use it is to set it on a pedestal in our lives and let it enlighten how we live. To let it change us, to let it mold us, to hold fast to it and bear fruit from it. 
See, when we hear the word and we don't do anything with it, we don't apply it to our lives, we don't internalize it, we're not changed by it. When, when that happens to us, we're effectively hiding that land. We're not using it. And so, this is what the scripture tells us. It's, it's to be put on the stand. It's to be used. It's to enlighten our lives. We're to be transformed by it. And Jesus goes on even further, and he says it like this. He says in verse 18, and this is really the important verse here. Take care, then, how you hear. For the one who has, more will be given. From the one who has not, even what he thinks he has will be taken away. So what do lamps have to do with our hearing? Well, lamps have the same thing to do with our hearing as the sowing and the seed has to do with our hearing. Jesus is telling us that when we're exposed to the truth, when we hear the gospel, when we hear the reality of who he is, we have got to pay attention to what we're doing, to how we're listening, to how we're receiving it. I got, I got uh, this is the ESV, and I, I'm usually an ESV guy, so I'm not trying to pick any fights here, but I actually think the ESV is the weakest of all commonly used translations on this particular verse. Uh, NIV says, uh, consider carefully how you listen. New American Standard, take care how you listen. And then, of course, King James, take heed, therefore, how ye hear. The idea is, of course, that we, that we should be conscious of our response to the Word of God because our response to the Word of God tells us something about who we are and what we are. No one wants to think of themselves as Judas. No one wants to think of themselves as a hypocrite. But Judas was Judas. And Judas probably heard this very message. And I don't want to be like Judas. And I don't want you to be like Judas. Brothers and sisters, friends, listen to me here. The Bible's telling us, pay attention to how we respond to the Word of God. Because if the Word of God goes in one ear and out the other, and we come week after week and study week after week, and our lives are not changed by it, then there's a problem. What kind of soil are we if the Word of God doesn't bear fruit in our lives? Jesus said, you will know them by their fruits. Now listen, that's a heavy stuff. All of us struggle with sin. I'm not, I'm not even going to pretend like I don't struggle with sin in my life. All of us struggle with things that we fought. Some of us have fought fights for years. We haven't gotten the victory that we want to get in certain areas. I'm not trying to lay down a blanket of condemnation on everybody and say, if you're not a perfect person, if you don't have it all together, you're not saved. That's not what I'm saying at all. But if you can listen to the truth of God's word and not be changed by it, you're not a Christian. Not perfectly, not in every way. But when we were born again, there was a fundamental change that happened to us. Our nature was changed from the inside out. 
When a man is in Christ, if any man is in Christ, Paul would say, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. New things have come. Things he used to love, he hates. Things he used to hate, he loves. The word of God is not a thing to be despised, ignored, or put away. It is food and life. And sin is our enemy if we love Jesus. There's a change that happens. Uh, this is tough for me too. None of us should hear this and be like, oh, I got that. Check that one off. Next sermon. We should take heed. We should take heed, therefore, to how we listen to the word of God. Because it tells us about who we are. <clears throat> In Mark 4.24, uh, you have the same passage, the same parable, and then you have the same explanation, and then you have the same little side parable involving the lampstand. And in Mark 4.24, he says it like this. He says, pay attention. This is ESV. ESV gets this one better, I think. Pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use it, it will be measured to you, and still more will be added to you. So there's a little bit of, a, little bit of an added explanation, not just the one that has, more that will be given, the one that has not, even what he thinks he has, that will be taken away. That, that's the way that the Luke passage says it. But you'll notice Mark actually says, pay attention to what you hear with the measure you use it. It will be measured to you and still more will be added to you. So here's my question. Do we use it? Do you use the lamp? Are you transformed by the word of God? Are you being changed by the scriptures? Have you been born again? Pay attention to that because it's important. It is not enough to passively hear the word of God. We must engage it. We must be engaged by it. We must be transformed by it. And there are areas of our lives where we can go into autopilot. Like uh, I, sometimes when Christine and I, when we're, we put the kids to bed and we're not, we want to watch a television show or a movie or something, we'll be like, oh, I don't want to commit to anything. And so, okay, deal or no deal. Some, mind, some mindless show like that, you know, where it's just like, oh, nothing substantial going on here. I'll check in every few minutes. That's not the kind of listening that we want in our lives from the Word of God. Have you ever been in a conversation with somebody and um, you, you really have got to be somewhere, and, and, but you don't want to be rude, and so you, you're listening, but what you're really listening for is an opportunity to jump ship and get to that thing that you have to get to. Uh, or, or even, in some of us, I, I'll admit it, I have, sometimes I listen for an opportunity to interrupt. Like, well, but wait, though, you know, oh, sorry, I forgot. Uh, that's not the kind of listening that we're talking about. I'm talking about the kind of listening where you give it your focus, where you give it your attention, where you say, is this true of me? Is this, is this, am, am I changed? And I understand, like, be careful. All of us, we could go into navel-gazing mode and like go home this afternoon and am I good enough? Have I repented enough? Have I believed enough? 
Am I changed enough? Am I sanctified enough? And, and you can get yourself into a little despair it, it, because none of us are exactly where we want to be. But I have to tell you, if you've been saved by Jesus Christ, you don't have to go through your life with a fine-tooth comb to look for evidence. It will change you. It will change you. And so, James chapter 1, flip over there with me if you don't mind. I think James, a lot of times, uh, <clears throat> the book of James is so interesting because I think the book of James elaborates on a lot of Jesus' direct teachings in parables and in the Beatitudes and in the Sermon on the Mount and in other places. <clears throat> and uh, this is James, the brother of Jesus, okay? James and Jess, they call him. And a lot of times, James will say things that sound so much like what you read in those gospel narratives where Jesus is preaching. And I don't, I don't think that's accidental. I think he, he had spent a lot of time with Jesus in his life and had a similar understanding of a lot of things. But in James chapter, chapter 1, verse 21, I'm sure you all have heard this passage so many times in your lives. But it says, uh, I, I, it's actually 22. I don't know why I wrote 21 down. Uh, James 1, 22. Be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Now, stop there. So what, what's the definition of someone who is deceived about who they are? Well, a, a deceived person is a person who is a hearer of the word only, but not a doer of the word. James says, be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself... And goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. James is just saying the same thing here. It's not enough to be casual hearers of the truth, to be casual hearers of the word of God, we are called to be doers of the word. Doers of the word. Not hearers only. People who are hearers only are deceived about who they are. If you want to look into the mirror of truth, the mirror of God's word, and see what you're like, here's what happens. When you look into a physical mirror, like I go in the bathroom, I look in the mirror, and my hair is jacked up. Okay, I want to do something about that. I want to change something about my hair before I get up and preach because I don't want to look like a goofball. I probably do, but I don't want to. But what if I went in there, looked at my hair, and was like, oh, it's jacked up, well, whatever. And then move, moving on, like, well, what's my fantasy football score? And then get up, everybody's like, oh, his hair is jacked up. He looks like, looks like Carrot Top up there or something. And uh, that would be bad, right? Well, that's what it's like when we observe what the Bible says about us. We listen. We listen casually. We just move on and forget about it. See, the Bible should do to us the same thing that the mirror does to us. The Bible should show us the truth about ourselves, and we shouldn't be like, oh, that's cool, moving right along. We should be like, oh, i got to fix this mess. Does the Bible do that in your life? When you read a passage like this, does this make you, i got to rethink my priorities. Man, if the Bible doesn't do that to you, you're doing it wrong. That's what's supposed to happen. If you're never challenged and rebuked by the Bible, 
If the Bible doesn't ever make you rethink your position on things, if the Bible doesn't ever make you rethink how you relate to your wife or how you relate to your husband or your parents or your kids or your boss or whoever, you're doing it wrong. Doers of the word, not hearers only. Jesus goes on back in, in, in Luke chapter 8. And again, uh, that last part, I think this is a warning. And this is the warning that we need to hear. We need to tune our ears to this, folks. He says, The one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he thinks he has will be taken away. What, what principle is being described here? Well, here's the principle. The principle is, if you use the lamp, if you use the truth, if you apply the word, if you are a doer of the word, your understanding of the truth will grow. You will be transformed. You will bear fruit more and more and more. No, you won't be perfect in this life. But if you want to be mature in the faith, if you want to be mature in Christ, if you want to be different than you are today, the way to get there is practice the truth as it has been revealed to you. None of us perfectly know the truth. Some of us are still learning a lot. Some of us don't know very much at all. I have a friend that says uh, our obedience is always surpassed by our knowledge, however ignorant we may be. And I think that's true. Okay, you don't know, but you do know a few things, right? Are you transformed by those things? Are you a doer of those things? You want to know more? You want to know God better? You want to know His truth better? You want to be changed by His truth more? Be a practicer of the Word, and you will be. And if you don't, if you don't listen, if you don't take heed to how you hear, if you are not a doer of the Word, there's a very stern warning here to the one who has not. Even what he thinks he needs will be taken away. This principle, I think, is illustrated really, really well in the book of Hebrews. And, and I, I could just say the book of Hebrews, like the whole book of Hebrews. Because the whole book of Hebrews is, is, is essentially a book that was written to persuade a group of people, uh, probably Jews in the first century, to embrace Christ and to embrace the truth. And not just to be hearers of it, not, not just to be hearers of the law, not to just be casually exposed to it, but to actually respond to the voice of God in the truth and in the person of Christ. Hebrews chapter 2, uh, verse 1, uh, verses 1 through 4, the scripture says, Therefore, we must pay closer attention to what we have heard. Now, what's, what's that therefore, therefore? Well, there's a whole explanation in chapter 1 about who Jesus is. Jesus is uh, the very brightness of the glory of God. Jesus is the one who created all things and sat, hand, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Jesus is the one greater than the angels. Jesus is the one to whom the angels respond in praise and worship. And now we have been exposed to this truth about who Jesus is and the book of Hebrews says, therefore, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. For since the message declared by angels proved to be reliable, 
And every transgression or disobedience received a just distribution. How shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? It was declared at first by the Lord. And it was attested to us by those who heard. While God also bore witness by signs and wonders and various miracles. And by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. Here's what happens. If we're not changed by the word, we drift away from it. Is there a point in time where we drift and drift and drift and our hearts become hardened and we no longer hear? I'm not trying to scare anybody to death here, but I can tell you, if you harden your heart at the message of the truth and you don't respond to it, whether you think you're a Christian or not, if you harden your heart to the message of the truth, and don't respond to it. It's going to be easier to harden your heart and not respond next time. And it's going to get easier and easier and easier to just ignore it. Now we have God the Holy Spirit that can kick the door open and can, can bowl you over in spite of all your resistance and change your heart to be a person who wants to come. But I'm going to tell you right now, you have responsibility for how you respond to the Word of God. Do not harden your heart to the Word of God. Listen carefully to it. Do not neglect so great a salvation as what we have in Jesus Christ. Don't get used to ignoring the truth. Don't harden your heart. I, 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 I'm dying to just go through the whole book of Hebrews here. I'm dying to. Chapter 3, verse, uh, verse 7. He quotes from the Old Testament. Therefore, as the Holy Spirit... I wish I had time to say, well, as the Holy Spirit says. What did the author of Hebrews think about the inspiration of the Scriptures? <laughs> as the Holy Spirit says, today, if you hear His voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion on the day of testing in the wilderness. Don't do it. That's repeated again in verse 15. In verse 11 of chapter 4, let us therefore strive to enter into that rest, the rest that is presented in Jesus, so that we may not fall away by the same sort of disobedience. You see, there's only two ways this can go. We either respond to the truth by taking hold of it and letting it bear fruit in our lives, or we respond to the truth by being hardened to it. That's it. That's it. Those are the only two choices we've got. So, therefore... Take heed to how you hear the Word of God. So, i got five applications. You've already heard them all. They're just reminders. Number one, listen carefully to the Word of God. Not, not just casually, but carefully, intently. Ask it questions in your mind. If you need to take notes to do this, get into the habit of doing this. It, whether it's in your private Bible study, or it's even at church. I, I do it at church. I, I, a lot of times I like to... I have questions that come from reading the text. Questions about myself. Questions about God. Whatever. Listen intently with the purpose to understand. Respond. Second, respond to the... What does this tell me to do? What does God want from me as a result of hearing this? God, what are the first steps that you want me to take in response to your word? Use the word. Third, do not harden your heart to the word. Because if you do, it's going to get easier. 
And there are lots of people out there in the world that have been exposed to a lot of truth, and it has no impact in their lives because they have harmed themselves. The fourth application I already read to you in Hebrews, and I'm not going to go back. And the lastly, I think of the response that we should all have to a message like this, and it's certainly my response, is Psalm 139, verses 23 and 24. It says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts, and see if there be any wicked way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. That's how we should, like, that's how we should react to the truth of God. Search me, God, and know my heart. I, like, we don't even know our own hearts a lot of times. There are people going to hell that think they're going to heaven. There's, there's an old spiritual song that says, everybody talking about heaven ain't going. Okay? And that's true. It's a heavy thing to think about. I don't want to be Judas. I don't want to be. Search me and know me, God. Know my heart. Try my thoughts. See if there be any wicked way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. Let's pray that you do that with us. Search us, God. Search us and know our hearts. Expose the truth about who we are. God, help us to look into the mirror of your truth and see it for what it really is. And help us to be the kind of soil that is ready to take hold and bear fruit. And if we're not ready to take hold and bear fruit, then God, break our hearts until we are. And if we're not sure that we are, then God, help us to be. We believe. Help our unbelief.